Are you a mum looking for some parenting inspiration, tips and advice, stories on the ups and downs we face in our lives as parents, some humour and a little bit of fun? Then you may have just found what you're looking for. Hi and welcome to the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I'm your host Louise Clark, a certified parent coach known to many as your parenting partner. As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Hi and welcome to a two-part series on the podcast about why it is that I think kids are pushing the limits like never before. So welcome to part one. This was inspired by a blog post that I read recently titled, Why are kids impatient, bored, friendless and entitled? And it's written by Jacqueline from Deep Roots at Home. And she based this blog post on a post that her friend, Victoria Prude, who's an occupational therapist and works with children, parents and teachers. And Victoria had written a blog post uh, on the silent tragedy affecting children today. And I actually did a a podcast on this uh, fairly recently. So I read this post with interest and in almost every coaching client session I have, I have parents at their wits end with the fact that their kids are pushing the boundaries. And whilst I always talk about us having to be able to deal with and face the inevitable pushback that kids do kind of dish us when we set limits on things, I do think that it's kind of it, it it the whole thing has got to a point where kids are it's very very hard to if i dare i say contain them and by contain i mean you know f- f- set boundaries for them that they are that they might not appreciate but at the end of the day they know they just have to you know suck it up and it's the way it is I mean, even in school, kids are rude to teachers, disrespectful to teachers. Basically, the teachers can't get them to do what the teachers want them to do. And sure, I'm generalizing here, but you know what I mean. You know, my kids come back and say, Mom, you cannot believe how the kids are in the class. The teacher will say, OK, get your workbooks out or switch your phones off or you can't wear your headphones. And half the class just have their headphones in. So what is it? What is it that children are feeling today that I certainly didn't feel in my day and they feel that they are able to just do whatever they want, whenever they want, regardless of what anyone says. And once again, in this entire two parts, I'm generalizing because I know that not every kid is like this. But there's a kind of undertone right now, I think, where, you know, there are more kids than I think there, dare I say, quote unquote, should be behaving this way. Why is it? So these two girls, you know, have have 
aired their views on it and I'm going to share theirs and also put my kind of 10 cents worth into it as well. So in this blog post, the five reasons why they feel that the situation has got to the stage it has got to is that five things. One, kids get everything they want when they want it. Two, limited social interaction. Three, endless fun. Four, kids and technology. Five, kids rule the world. And the overriding theme in all of it is that it's not the kids' fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's not the school's fault. They believe it's the parents' faults. And I, whilst I actually do believe this as well, I also believe that every parent has the best of intentions. And inadvertently, through pressure, through just not being able to cope and for other various reasons, we allow our our kids to get to a situation that we know is not good, that we know we shouldn't have bought them that other thing. They really don't need it, but we buy it because it placates them in the moment. They they can't cope without it. So, you know, let's look at a couple of examples that they discuss in this blog post. I'm hungry. Don't worry. Just in a second, we'll stop at the drive-through and I'll get you something to eat next, next, you know, in the next day you're out in the car. I'm thirsty. Okay, don't worry. There's a vending machine at the at the ice rink. We'll get you a water as soon as we get there. I'm bored. Don't worry. Here's my phone. Take my phone. Do something. So the whole time when we, I'm going to say cater to our children like this, where, you know, my son might say to me, you know, we might be going out for a couple of hours and he'll go, should I take water? And I'll go, well, if you want to carry it, you can take it. But just know that when we're out, we are not getting water because you can go two hours without water. If you honestly don't think you can, bring the water with you. But on the times where he forgets his water, if he says, I'm thirsty, I say to him, you'll get, you'll get water when we get home in an hour. I'm not buying water. Whereas, and what that does is it, it, it allows them to develop the ability and capacity to delay gratification. And it's one of the key, key ingredients to be able to kind of move forward and get on in life. We have to be able to delay gratification. And sure, as parents, we want to make sure our children aren't hungry and thirsty and bored and all these things. Well, A, I think it's quite good to feel a bit of hunger, to be a bit thirsty, because what happens next time you go out if you've left it too long? You might bring a snack with you. And in my kid, with my son, he takes water everywhere he goes. Um, and, you know, we we do want them to be happy and we want them to be success, successful. But we have to be able to equip in them the coping strategies to be able to delay gratification. And, you know, this inability to delay it is seen in classrooms. It's seen in the malls, restaurants, toy stores all the time you know the minute certain children hear a no they react with utter like what do you mean no I'm gonna get this and they'll do everything they can to get it and when we feed to that you know I'll get you a drink I'll get you something to eat I'll get you the phone when we feed to that all the time they cannot bear to not get it so I will I'll end on that that one for um 
for that for number one the kids get everything they want when they want it and move on to number two because I've got three to get through here and in part two I'm going to go through you know what what we can do to try and help them build these life skills they so desperately need and that these authors and myself believe many children are lacking today so number two limited social interaction we are all busy where our lives are very very full and because ours are full our kids can't bear having nothing to do and because ours are full we kind of think and I know I speak for myself here when my kids were younger there was this want to kind of entertain them all the time to make sure they had something to do and I I was fortunate enough to be guided otherwise when my kids were younger so I really did not fill their every waking hour with something to do. I let my kids be bored. Um, they might have hated me for it in the moment, but they actually now, all three of them are pretty good at going to do, get something to do and find something to do when they're bored. I let them be bored. But the digital side of things has really uh, zapped kids of their ability to be bored. Because any time they're bored, think about, think about it even for yourself. The number of times I sit in a doctor's waiting room or a dentist's waiting room or sitting at a bus stop or just watching people in Starbucks, the very few people will just sit doing nothing. They feel they need to be doing something all the time. And what does that doing look like? It's the phone. The phone comes out and we idly scroll through our text, scroll through Facebook, scroll through Instagram, just filling our minds with useless crap for the sake of it. And our kids are doing this too. And, you know, the, the technology, screen time is replacing green time. And in green time, kids go outside and they have to find something to do in nature. They have to go and find the wood to make the fort, find the rocks to dam the stream, find whatever it is, find the water to make the mud, to have a, to, to make a, a mud pool. You know, they need that time and they need to be forced to become creative. And having screens in their hands all the time robs them of the capacity to be creative because the digital world is creating everything for them. So, you know, the bra they say in this blog post, the brain's just like a muscle. It's trainable and retrainable. So if you want your child to be able to bike, you teach them biking skills. If you want them to be able to wait, you need to teach them patience. If you want them to be able to socialize, you need to teach them social skills. And, you know, the them being on their screens all the time is also robbing them of the capacity to know how to interact face to face with people. And, you know, this might sound quite radical to say, but of course they're going to know how to do that. I don't know. I think that there are kids who've spent so much time on their devices, they honestly just don't know how to interact with people. And it's tremendously important. And I think it you know, when we deny them that that opportunity to have to force themselves outside their comfort zone and ask somebody, hi, how are you? What are you doing? It's a life skill that we need. So really, really important to make sure that we don't limit their social interaction. Number three, endless fun. 
We've created an artificial world for our children. There are no dull moments. The minute it becomes quiet, we either run to entertain them because they can't tolerate quiet. They can't tolerate silence, stillness, boredom. Um, they can't tolerate even having to think about what to do for themselves. They want it all done for them. So if we as parents do it all for them or we give them a screen that does it all for them, then we give them the opportunity to have fun, inverted commas, if you can call it fun, being on a screen all day, but they love it because their brains are wired to it. It's addictive. They don't know how to have fun unless they're being entertained, given something to do, or a phone in their hands. So, you know, they, they, they get to school and they are asked to write something or read something and they struggle because it's too slow for them. They actually haven't got enough patience, grit and determination and perseverance to maybe write a story or read a, par read a chapter in a book. They can't even do that. There's many kids that can't focus long enough. It's not the focus. It's the fact their brains are telling them it's boring and they can't tolerate it. They can't tolerate this slow, normal pace of life because they're so used to being entertained constantly and very often for the time that they're certainly on screens it's fast-paced instant the the image changes the sound changes it changes fast and that's all done on purpose to addict the brain and for them to get their dopamine release so number four is kids and technology i diversed into into that for the endless fun but you think about it kids love being on devices so they talk about using technology as a free babysitting device. Um, it's not free at all. You know, the pay, the, the, they say the payment is waiting for you just around the corner. We pay with our kids' nervous systems, with their attention and their, with their ability to tolerate delayed gratification. And as I just said earlier, the, these, this author repeats, compared to the virtual reality, everyday life is boring for kids. The classrooms are boring. It's not adequate stimulation for them as compared to the screens, which where they're bombarded with visual stimulation, audio stimulation. And they are unable to tolerate um, the, the, the effects of the, of the real world. And it also, they, the inability to process lower levels of stimulation leaves them vulnerable to academic challenges. It, and dis disconnects us emotionally from our children. You know, if we're on our phones all the time, we become disconnected from them. So all of this interferes with their ability to tolerate anything that's not going their way. And so when we try and set limits, when we try and hold a, hold a limit rather and set a boundary, that doesn't go the kid's way and they can't cope. Because in setting a boundary and holding a limit, we are, you know, forcing them to delay gratification, forcing them to perhaps be bored, forcing them to interact with people when they'd rather be on their phones. It is so, so vital that we are aware of this and we do everything we can to give our kids what they actually need. Uh, number five, kids rule the world. They write, my son doesn't like vegetables. My daughter doesn't like going to bed early. He doesn't like to eat breakfast. She doesn't like her toys, but she's very good at her iPad. He doesn't want to get dressed on his own. 
she's too lazy to eat on her own. And this is what this author says she hears from parents all the time. And she says, since when do children dictate to us how to parent them? And if we leave it all up to them, all they're going to do is eat mac and cheese, bagels and cream cheese, watch TV, play on their tablets and never go to bed. I mean, this this woman does not mince her words. But, you know, it's I see what's happening in homes. I hear from parents that are at their wits ends because the kids don't come to the table. Even when they do, they won't eat what's put in front of them. They simply won't go to bed. And if they do, they've got their phones and they're up all night. And the parents are up a creek without a paddle. They cannot do anything. This is vital. These are key life skills that we need and our children needs to be human. And in in various ways we are stripping them of the capacity to be human and yet they have to be humans in this world so what's happening is and i hear this from parents the number of parents i coach who are who have children teens that are in their rooms and do not come out they're on their devices all the time they come out to eat occasionally and the parents are frantic because they know their kids are up half the night they can't even get up in the morning to go to school Often they don't go to school because they're too tired. The whole thing has got to crisis point. And I might, might sound alarmist here, but I, I, I agree with these authors. I think something has to change. So in part two, I'm going to share with you what I feel we have to do. I've talked about some of it here in, this, uh, in part one, but there are three or four things that they recommend we do. And I will go through those in part two. There's five things. So we'll go through five things in part two, which will be episode 356, which will be aired a week from today. So if you're waiting for it, you're going to have to delay gratification and wait a week to find out what to do. So I will leave it there. But the links to both the occupational therapist and the mum who wrote the blog that I'm talking about The links are in the podcast notes. So I want to thank Jacqueline and thank Victoria for all the work they do. I think blogs, this blog post had 2.6 million shares, which is huge. On Facebook, 2.6 million shares. That tells me this is resonating with people. And yes, it might be scaring parents, but I think parents do need to get scared about this. And I think parents are inherently scared about it. But I think they've, they're so scared, they actually just don't know what to do because sometimes it has got out of hand. But um, there are things you can do about it, if it, you know, provided it hasn't got to, you know, there's certain points where it really is very, very, very hard to get things back on track. But that fortunately is rare. But forewarned is forearmed. And I do look forward to being with you for part two in this series on why it is I think kids are pushing the limits more than ever before. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you find it useful. If you have, as ever, hop over onto iTunes and leave a review and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss this or anyone in the in the future. Thanks again for listening and for your support. And whoops, I realise this one's now nearly 19 minutes, which is longer than usual, but I think it was worth it. Thanks for listening. Till next time, bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. 
If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at yourparentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. It also includes beautifully illustrated, informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year. It's the perfect organizer for busy families to keep track of all their activities, plus help parents be the best parent they can be. It's more than just a calendar. You can find the link for this and the other social media platforms that I am on below the description in this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.